0: Now, most of us are believers. We know what grace is. Even our young people know what grace is. But back then, they just did not know. Think about it. They did not know. So in the book of Mark, Jesus is spending his three years of ministry, working hard, trying to reach them about this concept of grace. That concept of grace is a free gift from our God and can only be realized when he has gone through crucifixion and resurrection. That's the concept and the deity of himself, that he is the son of God, the Messiah that they have been waiting for all these years and years and years. But they really didn't have this concept of grace. Poor disciples. They're following Jesus. They suspect something. They have a hope. There's something going on with this great man. But they didn't really know the grace that we know today. So Jesus tried to explain to them all it takes is faith. That we are justified. That you are justified by faith alone. The faith. What is the faith at that time? That Jesus is the son of God. And as you know, most of the people in the book of Mars, they had a trouble believing him that. And who what? Somehow this guy shows up, does all these miracles, and okay, you know, some of the sorcerers can do that stuff too. And they weren't quite sure. And the teachers of law got very agitated and wanted to get rid of him. That's the basically storyline. So how did he try to explain this concept of grace and the deity of himself? Well, first, he used the parables, as we've been studying for the last 12 uh, weeks. He used parables to explain mostly what grace is, talking about how to get to the kingdom of God through the faith in the Son of, the Son of God. And to show them that he is truly the son of God, what did he do? All this effort that he put in, he, the fact that he has a power equal to God. So he goes around and just cures and heals all the sick people, the lepers, and it and makes deaf to heal and, and blind to see. There's amazing things. So people saw the result, the product, if you will. They saw the result, the product, end result. But still they questioned. They weren't convinced or truly understanding the grace, the concept of grace. So last Sunday, we focused on one point in chapter 11, saying that grace is not for sale. Remember the story of doves? What this dove represents throughout the Bible it represents the Holy Spirit from the, uh, from, the New Test- from the Old Testament. In days of uh, Noah, the first time he sent out a dove, it came back indicating there's no hope. Second time he sent out the dove, he came back this time with leaf. What a hope. Water is going down, subsiding. There has hope that we can go somewhere now. There was hope. Third time, Noah sent out dove and never came back. What does that mean? It means that hope is realized. Now, Noah can land somewhere, land somewhere and begin a new life. Grace is just like that. Can you go back to the previous slide? Grace is just like that. Jesus came to this place of no hope. When Jesus came to Israel at that time, give birth, it was no hope at that time. He tried to explain during his three-year ministry the concept of grace. If you believe You get to go to the heaven. You get to go to the kingdom of God. And that will be what? There will be hope. There will be hope. But to get to that ticket to the kingdom, the concept was not good enough. Jesus had to die and he had to resurrect so that grace is realized. Do you understand that? If you do kind of go like this, help me out here. I need to get used to you responding. Because soon I'll be going to the, the Bethlehem uh, church down the road somewhere, not too far from here. And you know how they are. You know, they're African American church. You say something, they talk more back to you, get you going. You know, I need a little bit more of that. got to get, get into this uh, uh, exercise. need a little bit of exercise, encouragement from you. So what is the difference between grace in concept and grace realized? What's the difference between grace in concept and grace realized? Well, as you know, I'm an architect and engineer. We provide services. I provide, when I design something to the owner and the people, I provide hope. If you build this, people will come. If you build this... People can resolve, if you build this, cart will come and you can make lots of money. It's a hope that I sell. It's a hope, but it's a hope not yet realized. Once it's designed and built, then the hope is realized. Then the real estate brokers come along to sell the home or tickets to the stadium that has already been built, realized. All they need to do is show the product. Here it is a beautiful stadium, come. Here is a beautiful house, come. They provide product to renters and buyers. Grace is like that. Jesus was trying to explain to his disciples, I have to die. And I have to rise from the dead. And remember, throughout uh, chapter 9, 10, 11 that we studied, these disciples were following Jesus. And they acknowledged that Jesus was the Son of God and said, who are you? He said, you must be Messiah. They acknowledged it. But as soon as the same breath, when Jesus said, I will raise from dead, and they said they had no idea what he was talking about. They did not understand at that time, at that moment, what grace was. Are you following me? There's only one guy said, yep. What do you think is more difficult to sell, service business or product business? Is it easier to sell hope or easier to sell hope realized? I know some of us are in service business. I know some of us are in product business. They're both difficult. It's both difficult, but I'm not going to judge which is which. But try to make you understand the difference between grace in concept and grace. Realized. In service business, you sell hope. Product business, you sell hope realized. So when Jesus said, Mark 10, chapter 10, 33, that he will be betrayed and, will, and the teachers of the law will condemn him to die, and he said, three days later ah, he will arise. Disciple had no idea what it meant. They did not know what it took for the grace to be realized. That's the huge difference. They did not realize that two more events must take place for grace to become a reality. That's the death and the resurrection. Now back to chapter 12. Today's lesson. So what's it about? Guys, I told you. If you take an exam, just listen very carefully. Just write it down. Chapter 12 is all about grace and the deity of Christ. And there's what's the entire book of Mark is about? The book of Mark is about grace and deity of Christ. You will get 100 points. You get A+. Plus. Don't try to say anything else. Just say that. The core, the focus. And if you focus on this too, and everything in the book of Mark will make total sense to you. If you don't focus on that, like, wow, why is he saying this? Why is he saying this? You will get lost. So let me briefly go back to the last chapter, eleven. Now, in chapter eleven, Jesus was going into Jerusalem riding a donkey. And kind of exciting, right? Yeah, I think it's exciting. We get you know daycare. We, get, we they bring donkeys once in a while, and the kids just love it. You know? They like donkeys more than I guess horses. They just love it. Um, when he was riding donkey to Jerusalem, when was that in his three-year ministry? When was it? It was only about four to five days before his crucifixion. Now, this timing is extremely important for you to understand the grace and deity and everything that is happening in the book, especially towards the end. Now, which means Jesus is now inching, inching closer to explain what grace is even more vividly. Because until then, Jesus tried to explain the grace through eloquent, beautiful parables. Some people understood. Some people did not understand, understood the, the, the meaning of the parables. But in chapter 11, Jesus began to not only demonstrate or show what Grace is through parables. Now he begins to put it into action. That's what we do. When we are closer to uh, the finish line, we give all we got. And Jesus beginning to, okay, I've spoken about it with the parables. Now I'm going to show you with an action. So what did he do? One of the first things he did is, you know, he went to a tree and looking for the fruit and there was nothing there. He cursed the tree. That was an action. He actually literally cursed the tree, and the tree withered, basically died, which we talk about the meaning of that. And the other thing that he did was the dove that I just talked about. When he went into temple court, people were just selling stuff in in the temple court, and Jesus got a little agitated. But there are so many different items I'm sure they were selling, but Jesus singled out dove. This is very critical. Jesus singled out dove. He mentioned only dove. No other items. Saying that you cannot sell doves in the house of God. Now, he is in action. He is also using metaphor or, if you will, a parable to try to explain to disciples the meaning of it. What was dove? The Holy Spirit. The grace. Thus, saying dove is not for sale. Holy Spirit is not for sale. Grace, therefore, is not for sale. The meaning that you and I know, they have no idea. The disciples at that time. It will be a free gift. After in a few days. After four or five days later, it will be a free gift to you. You can't earn it. You cannot do anything. Right now, it's a concept only. But when three, four days come, when I die, when I resurrect from the dead, it will be given to you for, as a gift. That's what he's trying to say. The timing as to when he overturned the table just a the, just the few days before his crucifixion. Critically important what was going on. In Jesus' mind. Do you get that? (laughs) So, in four to five days remaining, Jesus was on the march. Now, talking about the march, April 13th, uh, Saturday, is a uh, special march that we will be doing. It's celebrating, it's a little different from this context, but it's related. It's celebrating the 100th year uh, Korea Congress that was established here in, in the city of Philadelphia. And 100 years ago, lots of Koreans all over the country came, hundreds years ago, I don't know how they came, probably train or horse, I have no idea. They came, they marched from the city hall to proclaim the independence of Korea. Why am I mentioning the message? Because it was led by the local pastors in the city of Philadelphia. They were not Korean-Americans. They were Americans in the city of Philadelphia, Brotherhood. They said, Korea needs to be recognized. They need to have freedom like we do, as God has given us freedom to exercise. And that's why they did it. So we're going to, uh, you don't even have to be Korean. If you want in it, just go and march. They're estimating about several thousand people to march from House Square into, uh, through the city hall down to uh, Independence Hall with the cooperation of the entire city of Philadelphia. It's going to be a fun afternoon. So if you want to hang out with me, uh, you, can, you can come along. So Jesus was on the march too. He was now ready. He started out with this uh, riding a donkey, and uh, he was in the, in the march to free us Four or five days later, we will be freed with the grace. So let's go back to chapter 12. What is he now showing in chapter 12? He's showing the concept now. It is so related. It's one of the same as grace. It's concept of sacrifice. Now, Jesus mentioned a couple of times, I will die. In three days, I will be raised. He talks about dying, but didn't talk in terms of a concept of a sacrifice, the meaning of sacrifice, not just dying, but the meaning of sacrifice. Because it will take a sacrifice for grace to be realized. Until I sacrifice my body, myself, Grace is just a concept. It's just a concept. It will be only realized at the time of my sacrifice. So let's read. One of the teachers of the law asked. Trying to understand all this. One of the teachers of the law asked. In Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 31. He asked, of all the commandments that we have in here, in the Bible. Which one is the most important? Jesus answered. The most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 30. Love the Lord with your love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your souls, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is this love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. You know, first of you know what is interesting? These two commandments, there are two commandments in it, but it's of one. Just like the Lord is one. Notice at the end of the sentence, it doesn't say there are, these two commandments are the greatest of all. It did not say, that. it says there is, it's singular. Jesus says, loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves is one command. It cannot be separated. You can love God all you want with the Lord. And if you don't love your neighbor, you have not satisfied loving your God with all your hearts, souls, and mind and strength. What Jesus basically is saying, I want everyone to focus on this phrase. Love your neighbor as yourself. What is the significance of this? Because it's about sacrifice. The sacrifice that he will bring in four to five days later. So what does the sacrifice represent? It is the roadway to grace realized. Now I can confirm you that this is Saul. Look at the next verse and pay attention to verse 34, where Jesus said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So Mark chapter 12, verse 32. So the man replied. When Jesus said in verse 29 to 31 that loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves is the greatest commandment of all. And when he said it, this teacher of the law said, Yay, Jesus, you did a great job. He says right here, Well said, teacher. The man replied, Well said. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other... Him, to love him with all your heart and all your understanding and all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than any than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now this sacrifice is different than sacrificing yourself for others. This sacrifice is basically representing as it relates to burnt offering, like sacrificing lamb to give a God. That's what the sacrifice is talking about. It's not about yourself, it's something else you're sacrificing God. But now who said these words? It was the man who said this. Man was basically reciting what Jesus already said. Then Jesus responded and gave us a clear clue for us to wait for the grace to be realized. Let's look at 34. It's beautiful. 34. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You may believe in who I am. You may believe that I'm the son of God, but not yet. Not until four or five days later. Not until I die. Not until I get resurrected. Grace is not realized. Therefore, you are not far from Getting the ticket to the kingdom of God. It is absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. How he said it, when he said it. Just a few days before he was about to be crucified. Why did Jesus say to that man, you are not far from the kingdom of God. the roadway to heaven, which he will give us freely, is only a few days away. Hang tight, fellow. That's what he was saying in today's language. You have hope now, and your hope will be realized in few days, and in four to five days, that it will happen. Isn't that amazing? Now, going back to the most important command, the entire Bible hangs on this command, this statement, love your neighbor as yourself. Why would Jesus tell us to love your neighbor as yourself only a few days before his death? Timing is critically important understanding the true meaning of it. He's inching closer to giving his last will. We take seriously when people give us the last word. Even the people who don't like, the last word we take very seriously. But inching closer to his death, he make this statement, love your neighbor as yourself. What was he saying? Is there more deeper meaning in it? Absolutely, there's a far, far deep, deep meaning into this. It's not simply love your neighbor as yourself. When I was in the hospital, as you have heard me several times, I struggled with this. It's like reading the entire Bible three times. Like, it says, like, everything is summed up to what? Everything in here is beautiful, this Bible, the Word of God is summed up to this what? Love your neighbor as yourself. What a silly thing. Honestly, that's what I thought. Because I said earlier in other messages, all other religions do the same thing. Love your neighbor. Love others. Love others. But when I was reading it again, in the context of this and the timing of this, I left out a huge component to this statement. I read, love your neighbor as yourself, then I interpret it as love others. That's not what it says. It says, love others as yourself. And I start wondering as to the meaning of yourself and why this was so important. So when you reflect on why, that reflect on that Jesus came to us to die for us. And when you reflect on the time He spoke these words just a few days before he would be crucified. See, his mind is on the last march, trying to tell no longer in parables, and with his actions and with vivid words. His mind was all preoccupied with the one and only one thing, that he will be sacrificed in a few days. For what reason? To save neighbors. That's us. With his body, everything that he This is all about sacrifice. Love your neighbor as yourself is all about sacrifice. Love others as yourself. Jesus loves us as himself. So he decided to die for us. And that's sacrifice, and that's mercy, and that's grace. He's saying soon, the grace that I've been talking about, when we realized this commandment is not just about love. It's also about sacrifice. In this context, love and sacrifice are one of the same. You cannot separate them. Just as you cannot separate crucifixion and resurrection, they go together. Love cannot exist without sacrifice, no sacrifice, no love. It is Jesus' way of saying, I am about to fulfill in four or five days the most important commitment of all to sacrifice myself so that you, my neighbor, can live, so that grace is fulfilled, so that grace is realized, so that you can receive the very grace. For grace to be reality, one more event had to take place. Death and resurrection. Technically, those are two events. Yet symbolically, it's only one event. Act one, act two, if you will. How important is this? Galatians 5.14. The entire law is summed up to this single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because it's about Jesus ultimately sacrificing for us. That's what the meaning of this is. Matthew 22, 39, 40. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws, all the prophets hang on these two commandments. Two commandments being one. That is most powerful, powerful. command that Jesus summarize for us, because he's basically summarizing his life. So what is the lesson for us, those who have received grace already? We are to sacrifice for one another. Forgiving is sacrificing. Giving enemies something to drink is sacrificing. Exercising grace on a daily basis is sacrificing. Humbling yourself is sacrificing. Setting aside your pride and temperaments, that's sacrifice. That's what our Lord Jesus wants us to do. On a final note, as we get closer to the end of this book, end of Jesus' journey, his dialogue gets even more serious about his total commitment, total sacrifice, told through a living example. No more parables, through living example. No more concept of grace, but real example, just as he will be doing in a few days. There's one more action with a deep meaning of sacrifice that he mentions to us in chapter 12. It's about widow's offering. Who were one of the poorest people of that time? It's not just lepers, not just sick people, but widows. Widows in those days lived in extreme poverty. They had no hope. A widow had no right to husband, no right to dead husband's inheritance. In the Bible, the concept of widowhood was also used as metaphor to describe God's relationship to Israel. A devastated Jerusalem was described as a widow in the Bible. That her husband, the Lord, has departed as good as dead to her. Lamentations chapter 1, verse 1 How deserted lies the city. Once so full of people, how like a widow is she? Describing Jerusalem. Who once was great among the nations. She was queen among the province. Has now become a slave. Widow at that time. They were the poorest of the poor. They were despised, rejected, and they had no hope. And when Jesus was at a temple, Jesus saw a widow giving as an offering two small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. When the rich people threw in large amounts, and Jesus saw that, In living example, then call his disciples. Try to explain to him about sacrifice. Trying to explain to me in four or five days, I will be giving my total sacrifice. He called his disciples and taught them about what is to come in a few days. Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 43, 44, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into treasury than all others. They all gave out their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. Put in everything. Total commitment. All she had to live on. She had nothing left. Zero. Everything. Total commitment. It's like Esther saying, if I perish... I perish. Total commitment. When I read this, the first thing that struck my mind was Proverbs 47. Proverbs 47 says this: Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get this wisdom, get this understanding. You know what the meaning of that is, right? Wisdom is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is our Lord Jesus. Get Jesus. Get grace. No matter what it costs. Because when you do get grace, you get everything back and more. That's the wisdom. She gave everything. Jesus saying to his disciples, I will be representing you. I will represent all the people of Israel. In fact, all the nations. You, the poor sinners. I will give all I have. Everything. Nothing will be left. I will give myself. As the God, the Father has told me to love your neighbor as yourself. I will give myself on the cross. <clears throat> my last breath. So that you will then know that I am truly the son of God and will bring grace home to you to make grace realize. Isn't that beautiful? Why did Jesus gave this example? <clears throat> it's kind of parable, but with a real example. Not 100% parable, the real example, mashing with metaphors and parables. Jesus saying, "The one who will give all he has will be me. He will sacrifice himself in a few days. So, four or five days later, he gave his life. He got nothing left. Yet." Just three days later, he gained everything through resurrection. That's grace, folks. That's when grace was ultimately realized that he is God, he is Son of God, he is our Messiah, he is our Redeemer, and he is our Savior. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you so much. Thank you for that grace. Thank you for that grace. Thank you for that grace. In Jesus' name, amen.